Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break Podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to this episode of Trauma-Informed Parenting. Today, I'm going to talk about three things you need to know about felt safety. And before I get into that, last week I talked about comparing traditional or old-school parenting with connected or attached parenting. So if you missed that one, I suggest you go back and listen to that one first. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to share a few of the freebies that I've created lately just for you that focus on what we have been talking about this month. So hold on till the end so I can tell you about those. I actually also have a freebie for Advent. So I'm sure you're thinking about Christmas already. I'll talk about that at the end. So what is felt safety? Felt safety means that adults arrange the environment and adjust their behavior so children can feel in a profound and basic way that they are truly safe in their home and with us. Until a child experiences safety for his or herself, trust can't develop and healing and learning won't progress. We offer felt safety so healing may begin. And that's from The Connected Child. I wanted to read that out front so you know what felt safety is because felt safety and safety are two different things. So how do you provide felt safety for your kiddo and why do we need to provide felt safety? Shouldn't a child being safe be enough? I mean, you think about it like, okay, they have everything they need. They have a warm house, they have a bed to sleep in, they have food to eat. Shouldn't that be enough? Well, let me share some of the dangers of not providing felt safety. Remember, fear is a bully. It pushes a child into the corner. It pushes us into a corner. So what happens is the child responds with tantrums, meltdowns, shutdowns, and high levels of anxiety when they don't feel safe. Here's a myth. Your child will feel safe because they are safe. 
Whether fear is based on reality or not, it triggers the amygdala, known as the watchdog of the brain. In response, the body releases cortisol and the child stays stuck in fight, flight, or freeze. When cortisol levels are high, it's as if the child is being chased by a bear all the time. Even when it looks like their surroundings are safe and you seem to be safe, the child doesn't feel safe. And here's the thing, anything you try absolutely will not work until that child feels safe. Fear is a very tricky thing. It can cut off that executive function of the brain or the upstairs brain where we make logical decisions and make sense of things. When the executive function of the brain is not working properly, the child will stay in their downstairs brain. Everything will be reactionary. Been there. Chronic fear is like a schoolyard bully that scares children into behaving poorly. Dr. Karen Purvis. This is a really hard concept for us to understand. I struggled with this myself because when we brought our kids home, in air quotes, a sibling group of four from Poland, I assumed they would feel safe because they were in a safe environment. They didn't have to worry about anyone sneaking into their room in the middle of the night to harm them, but they still had night terrors. That's the weird thing about fear. Fear doesn't know the difference between the past, the present, and the future. Instead, all three of those run together. So if you're feeling a little discouraged right now, which you might be like, I don't wanna listen to this anymore, but here's something you can do right now. Ask your child and listen to the answer. What do they need to feel safe? Maybe they don't even know what that word means, safe. What do they need to feel better or comfortable or less afraid? And then do it. Is it a nightlight? Do they want to keep the door open while they sleep? Would they feel better if they had a snack in their room so they could grab it anytime they want? And you can choose the snack. It doesn't, that doesn't mean you're going to leave an ice cream cone in there. And ask your child. And here's, here's something important. If they cannot put their needs into words, because often a child who is stuck in fight, flight, or freeze, and maybe they've been stuck there for years, they do not have that ability to verbalize their feelings. And especially if it's a very young child or a child who's had an extreme amount of trauma, then help them find their words. Figure out what's going to work for them in that moment. Frightening behavior by a parent activates simultaneously, inevitably competing tendencies to flee to the parent as a haven of safety and to flee from the parent as a source of alarm. That's Dr. Dan Siegel. So this quote reminds us that we parents can sometimes be the source of fear and the source of comfort. Yikes. So we have to be able to regulate ourselves and be gentle in our parenting, empathetic in our parenting. 
So it's no wonder our kids struggle with felt safety. And often when we are bringing our kiddos home through foster care and adoption, the parents from their home of origin may have been their source of fear. So for us to use those same names or words to represent who we are, mom and dad, may be confusing for them because that may have been the source of their fear. So we need to think about that. And I'm not saying that you need to change your name, but it will take a while and maybe you have them call you something a little bit different. Fortunately, healing is possible and your child can feel safe. And I'm just going to add, if your child has a capital letter syndrome and you're listening like they have, ADHD or SPD or GAD, you know, they have high levels of anxiety all the time. Yes, this certainly applies to them. That doesn't mean that they had to be in a house fire or be the victim of abuse or molestation for them to feel afraid simply because they have a capital letter syndrome and they don't navigate the world in the same way and they don't see the world through the same lens as neurotypicals, then they can feel afraid that anxiety can be so overwhelming. So we need to do the same for them. We need to do the same for them. But it's going to take some investment parenting to make that happen. When a child feels genuinely safe, the primitive brain lets down its guard and allows trust to blossom and bonding to begin. That's Dr. Karen Purvis. So I'm just going to do a little blip for one of the freebies I'm offering right now. The other two I will share at the end. So we've been talking about traditional parenting and why it doesn't work and what does work this month. And yes, felt safety is connected parenting. It's not traditional parenting. So do you feel as if you failed Parenting 101? Maybe that's why you're listening. As if nothing you are doing is working? Are you feeling hopeless and overwhelmed in parenting your child with trauma? With a trauma history or a capital letter syndrome? Listen, it's not your ability to parent. It's the old school traditional parenting that is failing you. So I'm offering right now a free chapter so you can get back your parenting mojo, why traditional parenting doesn't work and what does work. And that's on traumainformedparenting.com on the homepage. There's buttons for it everywhere. So click that button and get your free chapter. And that will supplement what I've been talking about. You can dig a little deeper. Now I'm going to share three ways to provide felt safety. Number one, arrange the environment to suit your child. Arranging the environment may be as simple as providing a snack basket for the child who fears not having food or providing noise reducing headphones for the child who becomes anxious when it's too loud. Arranging the environment means approaching your child's fears with gentleness and understanding no matter how illogical 
they are to you. Now, my stepfather was in the military. He was a colonel. So, and sometimes in my mind, I, I don't know if you know anything about Star Trek, but I think of Dr. Spock and how everything had to be logical to him. And my stepfather, even though that was very true for him, from being in the military, and I think it was not only his nurture, but also his nature, he still had a very gentle and loving way when all of my behaviors and my fears were illogical. And that's what we have to do. Whether these make sense to us or not is not the point. Arranging the environment so that your child can feel safe, so that they can connect with you, um, she can learn, she can grow emotionally, spiritually, and yes, even physically. Because high levels of cortisol actually affect our physical growth as a child. When my four kiddos came home, in air quotes, from Poland, my daughter hoarded food. She had a fear that she wouldn't have food when she was hungry. So she stuffed food in her backpack, her pockets, and even her pillowcase. Even though I showed her the contents of the fridge and the pantry multiple times, she still had a deep fear of hunger. So I got a basket and I filled it with snacks. And I told her she could take a snack whenever she wanted. The hoarding decreased and eventually disappeared. The gift of that season in her life is when she travels with her kiddos now, she never forgets the snacks. She always has tons of snacks. All right, number two, let your child talk about the past, i.e. let them tell their story. Now, just a little warning here. Don't ask your child endless questions about the past or an event that triggers them. But let these conversations be mostly child-led. Telling our story to an empathetic listener helps us make sense of it. Talking about her feelings also helps a kiddo put them in their place. And I will share an example. My granddaughter, Louisa, broke her arm. She fell down the steps. She just, um, her wrist, actually. She was wearing what she calls forks, which are high heels, little play ones, and she fractured her wrist. And so she had to wear this thing on her arm. It wasn't actually a cast. It was actually removable because it wasn't that, it wasn't that um, serious of a fracture. But anyway, she told that story to me and to everyone else about 50 bazillion times. In fact, every time she saw me, Nini, I broke my arm. I fell down the stairs. I, I can't go in the pool right now. And she would just share everything. And here's the thing. It's tempting to tell our kids, I know that. Don't tell me. It's important for us to let them tell the story. They're processing that story. And they're putting it in its place. And for children who are not used to telling their story, they will need a little bit of coaching. Now, like I said, warning here, I'm not saying sit your 12-year-old child down and say, tell me everything that ever happened to you or every bad thing that happened to you. No, please don't do that. But 
asking a few questions, and sometimes the environment will provide the opportunity for the child to tell the story. And I'm going to share a story about that now. So let your child tell the story. If if they need some prompting, help them, okay? The tunnel trigger. We headed down under the ocean. We were driving to the beach and there's this huge tunnel you have to go under to get to Virginia Beach. I need to Hampton something, I can't remember the name of it. But two of my children were, you know, visibly triggered by it. They were whimpering and hanging on to me. I had to get back there in the back with them and let them hang on to my arm. And I'm triggered by tunnels anyway. So, but my eldest son began a tale of his past. Just all of a sudden, out of the blue, the further we got into the tunnel and the darker it feels under there, he just started sharing, did you know? And he started sharing all these horrible things that had happened to him and his siblings in their home of origin. And we just listened. We just listened. Sometimes we just need to listen. And then sometimes we need to say, I'm really sorry that happened to you or whatever is appropriate at the time. And as I said, sometimes our kids need some gentle questions to start the conversations. Other times the environment, like the tunnel, will provide a trigger to the memory. And here's something super important. We should not minimalize our kiddos' pain in that moment. Instead, listen with compassion Statements such as, well, that's in the past, or I've had worse things happen, are not helpful. When those triggers bring up those emotions and those memories, and the child is struggling with feeling safe in the present, those sorts of comments are not going to to help. Number three, find coping mechanisms that help i.e. figure out what they need. Put the coping mechanisms into practice for them. Help them. Be proactive about it. Often when a child doesn't feel safe, she doesn't know what she needs to cope. So helping a child find appropriate coping mechanisms is part of the proactive and investment parenting package. Now when I say appropriate, I kind of feel like I want to put that in air quotes too. Because there's something else we need to consider. And I'll talk about that in a second. But the way that we find those coping mechanisms that if our child cannot figure them out herself is mindfulness. We need to figure out what's going on. Even if you know what triggers your child, knowing what will help them cope and recover to a place of feeling safe is a whole new ballgame. It may mean some trial and error. Some kiddos may need deep breathing, others a snack in their pocket. Others may need some form of stimming to walk around in circles, swim, hug a stuffed animal, twirl, or escape to a comfy chair and read a book. You've got to fill in that blank there. I can't do that for you. One of my kiddos, he race walks circles around the kitchen island in order to process. And he talks to me the entire time. If he is told not to walk, he can't process. 
the situation he's struggling with. I don't know what your child needs. And I don't know your child, but you do. Take some time, be mindful, and by trial and error, figure it out. And you also may find that your child has a few coping mechanisms, but she isn't practicing them because they aren't socially acceptable or that word appropriate. While being mindful is important, so is changing or lowering your expectation. If you want your child to both cope and fit into the cultural expectation at the same time, those expectations are going to have a fight and one of them is going to win. For the sake of your kiddo, let the cultural expectations go. In other words, if your 12-year-old needs her stuffed owl to survive shopping at Target, let her take it. And don't shame her. While carrying a stuffed animal at 12 isn't exactly socially acceptable, does that matter? Whose rules are we following? That's the thing that we need to consider. Are we parenting according to what the culture tells us is socially acceptable? Or are we parenting to raise our children to feel safe? Helping our kiddos feel safe requires an investment of our time, connecting to our kiddo, gentleness, kindness, and empathy. Fear isn't logical. Fear is a bully who brings the past into the present and convinces your kiddo that it's her future as well. Until your child feels safe, she can't listen, learn, or grow emotionally. Felt safety is key. Now, um, I also have written an article about that, so I will make sure that I link that in this podcast. But I also promise, now that I've finished my three things, the three things that you need to know about felt safety, I told you I was going to share about a freebie that I'm offering. And this freebie is connect instead of correct. Now, obviously, I know that we can't just be connecting 100% of the time and never correcting. There is a balance. But what happened with me is I got into this pattern of only correcting. And after we adopted the sibling group of four, I thought I knew what I was doing. After all, I'd, I'd been an okay parent and I had an award to prove it. National Parent of the Year. <laughs> I'm really laughing. Like, God's got a sense of humor. Because right after we got that award, the year after that is when we adopted. So when we brought these kiddos home, in air quotes, with all of their trauma and their capital letter syndromes, and some of my bios have capital letter syndromes as well, I just suddenly lost my parenting mojo. I didn't know how to do things right. I didn't know how to make things right. I felt as if my kiddos were safe, they were loved, they had food to eat, a bed to sleep in, and toys to play with. Everything should have been great, but it wasn't. Instead, my home was full of chaos. So in this PDF that I created, I'm gonna, I share the difference between felt safety and real safety. Felt safety is when you feel safe, which is completely different from when you are safe. But I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
I also address co-regulation, which simply means when your child cannot regulate, or sometimes we call it behave. When your child is struggling to regulate, it means she needs you to co-regulate or regulate for her. And like I said, the main reason I created this PDF is it's so easy to fall into a pattern of correcting without connecting because I didn't know exactly what my kiddos needed. They didn't feel safe, they couldn't regulate, and I got stuck in that correcting vortex. Is that you? Do you feel as if your true connection with your child is practically non-existent? Your relationship is built on the foundation of correction, your lobbying instructions, lecturing, yelling, and not getting the results you desire. I get it. That's why I created this free PDF. Connect instead of correct. And you can get that on traumainformedparenting.com by reading the article that goes with this particular podcast episode. And I'll share that. And last but not least, I have a free chapter of my Advent devotional, 25 Days of Thriving Through Christmas, ready for you to download. In order for you to get that, you have to be on my email list. And you can simply get on my email list by getting any of my free PDFs. Just get the free chapter and you're on my email list. And then you will get the opportunity to download that free Advent devotional the first week. And so what is this? Well, the Advent devotional is 25 days. So you start on December 1st. On each day, you have a tip for thriving through the holidays. Just one simple thing that you can do with your child and then a very short Bible lesson. On the weekends, there is a longer chapter for the parents to read for their own spiritual growth. One on Joseph, one on Mary, one on the wise men, and one on Jesus. And every day, it will literally take you five minutes to read the tip. It might take you a little bit longer to apply some of the tips, but you don't have to do it all. Because we want to not just survive the holiday season, we want to thrive. And the 25 days of thriving through Christmas was actually started out of my own need. It was, my kids were triggered so much by the holidays, the celebrations, the noise, the, the constant activities, which just overwhelmed them. So I started a blog post series about it years ago for my for myself. And then I had a lot of moms reach out to me and say, this is helping me so much. It's helping me enjoy the holidays more and realize I don't have to do it all. And these tips are really helping me thrive instead of just survive. So it became a book. And now I'm offering the first week to you for free. And I am out of time for today, so I will see you next week. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on traumainformedparenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at traumainformedparenting.com.